Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Almighty God, no matter who we are, we desperately need your help. We are still weak, short-sighted, and confused, and in need of your strength, your direction, your encouragement. Father, I know that I feel that so much in the, this very moment. Father, we just pray that your spirit could come and could speak to the needs of every one of our hearts, Lord. You know what we need, and we pray that in this time that you could strengthen us and encourage us to press forward. Lord, we pray for those who are even beyond the hearing of this voice, who, who are, may be running from it. Lord, we pray that your spirit, which is not hindered by walls, could still convict and draw all men unto you. We pray for those who are unable to be here or maybe even attend virtually due to illness, Father, and old age, we pray a special encouragement on them also. Lord, you know, those who are struggling with long-term illness, Father, we're thankful for Brother Sasha, who is, who is a testimony to your graciousness in being able to come home from the hospital, yet there is a long road ahead for him. And we know there we have many brothers and sisters and friends in our own circles who are, who are dealing with illness. We pray for Sister Olga Ordug, Sister Olga Vukov, for Lily uh, Book of Father, you know the many who are, who are those health crises in their life, and we bring that, raise them up to you. At this moment, we pray for your spirit to speak through your living word, and that that would be glorified, and that this would not be just a moment in our week, but would leave a lasting impression and change in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we are uh, studying the life of Jesus, I thought I would uh, take two passages, uh, one from the beginning of the Gospels and one from the end, and see what we can learn from his life. So let's turn first to Mark chapter 1, and uh, maybe, maybe we'll re begin reading at uh, verse 25. Or 21. Let's begin reading verse 21 for some context. When we uh, study the lives of great people, we are often inspired, um, and we hope we can learn something. Maybe how not to do things or how to do things by learning from their life. Hopefully, as we read the Gospels and the life of Jesus, it's not just... Um, you know, that we would have the same diligence to emulate his life and the things we can learn from him. Jesus entered time and space and didn't go straight to the cross because he taught us not only how to die, he taught us how to live. Let's learn from our Lord's example. And they went into Capernaum. This is beginning to read at verse 21 of chapter 1 of Mark. And straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. 
And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning... Rising up, great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go even into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Let's... uh, turn now to the Gospel of John, the 18th chapter, the very first verses there, John chapter 18, reading from verse 1. This is now the end of Jesus' life. He has just finished his high priestly prayer in the Last Supper before he is facing his coming death. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Cedron, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. What thing can we learn from Jesus' life? We've uh, spoken uh, considerably this year about prayer, the power of prayer, the potential of prayer. And we know that Jesus himself, being the Son of God and having an intimate connection with God, found it necessary to pray. And... uh, Not only did he find it necessary to pray, he seemed to find it helpful and it was a pattern and one that he achieved or uh, practiced even at the busiest of times that he sought out a solitary place, a quiet place, a place of, of nature uh, I remember as a, a young man in Sunday school being oppressed with the word wilderness because it just shows up in the gospel so many times. If you look up the, the Greek word, uh, 
It, it's 50 times referenced in the New Testament. So Jesus seems to have a thing about leaving and spending time in quiet, alone with God. We, uh, we can see this earlier. Uh, Mark, Mark is uh, the synopsis, the, uh, the one that cuts to the chase. Um, perhaps some people think he was addressing the, the, the Romans who had a penchant for action. And so we see in this first chapter lots of and immediately, uh, straightway. And, and he's showing the action, Jesus in action. He's right away um, calling disciples who right away follow him. And he's right away in the synagogue casting out demons. But even in this action-packed, shortest of all Gospels, Mark found it necessary to point out that Jesus left the scene of tremendous, uh, you know, he's, he's being revealed even by the demons as the Son of God and great power, great authority. Everyone wants to, to hear more, and he leaves. A great while before dawn, it takes a cost him. To, to, to make this space in this time with God, but he goes away from ministry and potential. And the reason why he's here to preach the gospel as he finishes saying, and he goes in a quiet place with God. In the wilderness is the word there, the solitary place it can mean that, a desolate, solitary, alone uh, place. He was, right after he was baptized, he was in the wilderness having that time of being tested and being alone with God. Uh, John the Baptist before him was in the wilderness. Uh, when, when the pressures of ministry came and, and the disciples came back to him after being sent out and he had this opportunity to, and he was, wanted to hear you know, their experience as they were excited about what God could do through them and they, they hadn't believed possible that they now were casting out demons and he said, let's, let's go aside into the wilderness. Let's see, we're, we're too crowded, we're too busy here. He found that time. Now, it didn't quite work out. If you know the story, 5,000 people, men, plus women and children, followed him there. And, you know, Jesus, one thing about him is that uh, he was interruptible. In fact, much of the Gospels is what happens in the interruptions, to Jesus's life, you know, and, and uh, that's something I, I certainly can learn a lot from. Um, I remember uh, a young man when I was, uh, you know, younger and, you know, saying, you know, the problem with you, Edmund, is like you've got, always got an agenda. You're like you're always on a mission. You're doing something, right? You know, I'm, I wasn't just hanging out. Uh, and being there, you know, I've got this bias towards action. I want to I wanna accomplish something. I want to get something done with my time. Maybe it's a little bit of the, too much of the German me. I don't know. But Jesus wasn't like that. And I know just the other week, my, uh, I was really stressed. I was working until 3 in the morning. I was, had this deadline, you know, and, and, you know, one of my kids interrupts me, right? You know, probably good and healthy things, but I'm like, you know, I can't afford this right now, right? I'm, you know, and Jesus was not like that. He was not stressed out, despite the fact that here he is till late at night. You know, uh, he's got the same hours that I do here with healing people, you know, and, and preaching and all the emotional drain of ministry at scale, you know, and yet he finds a time to get up early. Because if you notice, when we're busy, 
The temptation is, well, you know, God's using me right now. I got to focus on what I'm busy, I'm producing. But that wasn't Jesus' priority. He kept his ability to be available to even all, and he was available to, to all classes of society and all kinds of needs and allowing himself to be interrupted because he had created that space, the emotional, spiritual space of being in a quiet place. Even, you know, scientifically, people have found that being in nature is healthy for you. It changes you. It's, there's something about being in a God-created space as opposed to a man-created space that does you good. And uh, the pandemic has served to, to teach people that as all of a sudden we, we notice that, you know, our, our corner where there's a few trails is popular and there's hundreds of cars there. Unfortunately, they're doing it Sunday morning when they probably could find something even better to do to find God. But, you know, that people are realizing that there's some value in getting away from the concrete box and, 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 and being where God's nature and, and rules and things go at his pace in his, his beautiful way. And Jesus himself found something about that wilderness that he needed for his refreshment of his relationship with God. Now, that may not be practicable for for everyone to you know go to Algonquin every morning for their uh, beautiful time with God but even if we're in our closet as Matthew 6 says we can find that time alone with God that solitary time that time where we can refresh with God and when we are busiest Jesus teaches us that's when we need it the most now there's one point about finding external quiet, finding a place where you don't have the distractions of people barging in and asking things of you or the distraction of your phone that's constantly barging into your consciousness and binging and saying you need to respond to you know, world events immediately. Um, and, and all the interruptions of your life it's one thing to, to, to find a quiet spot, and it takes some intentionality. Jesus obviously had to be intentional to get up a great while before dawn, and he had to be consistent for Judas to know where to find him, to betray him, because this was his pattern of life, to be in quiet in nature. Uh, but not only do we have to create that external quiet intentionally, away from distractions, we have to create the internal quiet. It's not enough. Not everybody who you know, turns off their cell phone and maybe takes a walk in the park comes back hearing from God uh, because there's a lot of mental distraction that we need to be intentional about, again, creating that space to hear from God, right? There are a lot of things that go on in my mind even when I have the quiet, you know, and getting old and waking up early, you get more hours of that, but they're not necessarily productive if I allow my typical thought process to run me, right? There are a lot of things that tend to distract us 
that if we don't control them, they will rob us of the blessing of being alone and being alone with God. There are fears, things that occupy our minds because we're worried and anxious about what could happen in these scenarios, about things that we care about, people we care about, and that can really get a hold of us. There are, there are frustrations. Uh, there are problems in our life that we think about how we are going to solve this challenge. And sometimes those frustrations are with people. And sometimes, you know, we get really frustrated with people. And we allow even our feelings of frustration and bitterness towards people and disappointments with people to drive us. So whether you're problem solving or, 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 or digging in, you know, this, this negative um, thing, it, it's clearly something that is keeping you. And, and the Bible says that bitterness is a blocker for your relationship with God. It, it, in Hebrews chapter 13, um, or is it 12, he specifically says that, you know, we have to be diligent in removing those roots of bitterness because they cause us to fail from the grace and the blessing of God that we heard about on Wednesday. So there's fears, there are frustrations. <clears throat> and, um, you know, they're, they're just plain distractions where, you know, you do the squirrel where like, oh yeah, I forgot, I've got to fix this or I've got to answer this or this person's still waiting for that. There's all kinds of things that Satan can bring to your mind that, oh, you know, and you can, you, you can fill out a whole to-do list of all the things that you might think of when you're trying to be quiet. But solitude and silence before God is a discipline that if we want to follow Jesus, we need to intention, be intentional about incorporating our lives, that we can hear from Him, from God, and we can... It's not enough to pray. It's not enough to even pray in the right way, right? It really is a heart set. And it's a relationship. And that's what makes prayer effective. It's not in its structure. It's not whether you got your ACTSs all crossed and dotted. It's, it's whether you have a living relationship with God. And if you think about, you know, a relationship say a husband and, and wife, right? If they never spend time alone together, do you think that that relationship is going to deepen or is it going to shrivel up, right? Without the time alone, in quiet and focused, because, you know, time with your spouse is not reading the newspaper or now doom scrolling, you know, while your wife is talking at you. That does not count as deepening a relationship. Right? And the same thing happens to us if we get those hurried words in with God. You know, while we are busy accomplishing our things, we, we are not deepening a relationship with God unless we take the time to listen. Um, some time ago, um, I think it was Dan Rather that interviewed Mother Teresa on, on uh, television, and he asked her, So, when you pray to God, what do you say to God? And she paused for a moment and she said, I don't, I listen. And he was kind of taken aback. And so he came back, well, okay, well then, what does God say to you when you pray? So 
She paused for a minute and says, well, he doesn't. He listens. And so there is something about spending time and hearing your spouse, if you want to do that relationship, or your friend about being available and synchronizing your thoughts, your feelings, your understanding of the world. There is something about doing that with God, about not just, okay, I've got these things, and, you know, we talked about this morning about how we tend to focus on the S and you know, we don't have the T, C, and A. We don't have perhaps the humility to confess and, and to really enter into adoration. But even those things in proper balance, if there's not a pause, the, another acronym for prayer um, is uh, P-R-A-Y, where it's pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. So it's this pause, this silence, this being willing to wait and hear from God as opposed to, you know, being so German about your time or so efficient or so driven or so about my agenda, right? And that's why I thought that song was interesting where it talked about the engines, right? And maybe I'm reading a lot into this, but, you know, the driving power, I'm getting somewhere, I'm, I'm going towards the harbor, but I don't know where it is. Right? And I might as well be charging towards rocks as safety because I'm on my own power. And I have to let go of my agenda, my power, my time, and be in silence to hear the still small voice of God. So hopefully we can be inspired by the example of Jesus if the Son of God needed to spend time intentionally in silence to hear from God. How much more do I? When Jesus describes the very end of time, I was going to catch people by surprise that you know one's going to be taken, the other left, two in the field, two women you know, working together in the, you know, kitchen, two at work, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a surprise. Some people will be ready, some people won't. And um, why do you think so many people will be caught unprepared and not ready when Jesus returns? Well, Jesus himself describes what it's going to be like in the end, he says, it's going to be really busy. It's going to be like, he says, the days of Noah, people were busy. They, they were building, planting, prospering, business was booming. Or the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, again, you know, they, there was marriage and, you know, relationships as well as business. And, and things were busy. Gendas were full. There was a lot to get done in a day. And so they were unaware when the Lord came and when the door was shut in the ark, when the fire came down from the skies. We've had a pretty big wake-up call this past two and a half years or however long it's been. Perhaps the pressure is easing off. We're thankful for mandates being relaxed, for, for you know, the crisis 
not being as severe um, in our hospitals and so on. But let's beware of just kind of returning to business as normal, uh, picking up our, our pace, you know, now that you know, things are opening up, we gotta, get, we gotta fill up that agenda. If we're not careful, we're gonna be so busy, we're gonna miss the big thing that the, the Jesus is coming back and I need to be ready, I need to be in that living relationship with him. Let's not allow the world's and Satan's strategy of distraction keep us from being ready for his return, which is coming by all signs sooner than ever. With that, we conclude this afternoon's service.